You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. So I've been looking forward to this one for most of the day today. We did the last one. I went back and I listened to it, and I thought, you know, we did cover some great points, and I thought we could just kind of go another way with it because we, we covered a lot on there. And it's not irrelevant, everything that we talked about in there, but we can add to it, kind of like what we did, Marty, with the... Um, Situational awareness, that kind of thing. Situational awareness, yeah. Yeah, since we did situational awareness. However, today we're going to revisit self-motivation. I think now's a great time to do this. As I was saying last night, uh, when Bruce and I were talking just as we were getting started last night, I think now's a great time to do this because you've got a lot of things that are happening across the world and it's happening at a very accelerated rate. I don't think people really understand what they're seeing. I think that's the the bigger takeaway in all this, but we're not going to get into that today. We'll talk about that at another time because that is extremely important. But if you are looking at what's happening in the West right now, then you're probably thinking, okay, this is pretty depressing. Or if if you're one of these people that have lost their jobs and all this, you've lost money, you've lost uh, your business, whatever it might be, you probably feel a bit down. So you've got people also that are out there tearing down statues, they're desecrating memorials and and things like that. And it's just, you know, the police are getting beat up and and they're told to stand there and take it by the supposed elected officials. So if you see this kind of stuff and you're, you know, you're really upset about that, then, you know, I don't blame you because it is a sad thing to see. But the most important thing in the midst of all this is not to let it get to you. You don't want to let yourself get down because if you get yourself down into an area of depression, then it's really difficult to try and get back out of that, especially with all the modern techniques and all the modern advances in drugs and all that stuff. You go to say, you know, a doctor or a psychotherapist or something, all they want to do is push drugs on you most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. But one of the best ways that you can get out of this is to observe what you're seeing, whether it's on TV or in, in your own life, observe what you're seeing, and then look at the positive aspects of it, absorb the negative, and then turn that into a strength. Today, we're going to revisit self-motivation. I totally relate to what you just said. Um, I found myself at the start of lockdown uh, and because I was busy with some other projects, which have now sort of, whilst not finished, have come to a bit of a halt while I'm waiting for things to arrive. I've started to feel not depressed, but certainly not as enthusiastic about getting out of bed and going through the daily routine as I was when I had lots of good physical things to do. My work isn't a physical task. It's all based on a computer. So I don't need to, I I don't get the same endorphin release from doing my job as I do from laying 50 concrete paving slabs or shifting tons of sand or, or building something out of wood. So where things came to a bit of a halt at the moment while I'm waiting for materials to arrive, I've started to feel slightly down. And I said to a friend earlier today, I'm, I'm doing a podcast on self-motivation later tonight, and I don't know if I can be bothered. And that's genuine. You know, that that's, that's how this lockdown and how things are affecting me personally. 
So I'm glad you suggested this because it'll help me refocus and get my head in the right direction. That's what I've got at the moment anyway. Uh, Bruce, you got a uh, you got an opening line you'd like to uh, throw out there? Mm, way to put me on the spot. Jeez. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> you, you don't have to. I mean, that's why we have an edit button. So you, you don't have to. I'm being, or should I'm we just jump right into it? I'm being honored. I don't, no, I mean, I don't really have any opening to it. I mean, again, I'm, I'm more interested in hearing what you guys' take is on it because putting all this to words is, is kind of difficult for me because I just... I don't know. I, this is something I don't really have a problem with personally, and I don't know why. And I don't. I don't know. I just. Yeah, All know. right. Yeah, that's that's great, because that's one of the points we're going to talk about today is what you just said. Just do it. So that's that's one of the points I covered that last time. And I think it's important because that right there is it's so key when you look at so many aspects of when it comes to motivating yourself. So, I mean, a lot of times people just sit there and they'll just think on it too much. And yeah, we'll get into it. I thought that we would start because we didn't do this last time. I thought we would just go ahead and start. We would define essentially what it is, right? Self-motivation in its simplest form. Essentially, it's the force that drives you to do things. It's the drive you have to work towards whatever goal you put out for yourself, whether that's in business or in life or in uh, personal accomplishments, whatever it might be, a project like you're doing, Marty, you know, that kind of stuff. So, It's all the effort that you put into self-development, okay? And it's the goal that you want to achieve to gain personal fulfillment. So it's kind of important to note here that self-motivation, it's generally driven by like an intrinsic motivation, you know, kind of motivation that comes from you want to achieve and and desire the inherent rewards that, that kind of come along with it. So it can also be driven by extrinsic motivation, right? The drive that causes you to achieve what comes from wanting the external rewards. So something like, say, money or some kind of status or a recognition from, say, like a boss or a colleague or whatever it might be, if you have a work project that you're working on or case of Marty, if you're building a, um, you know, a shed, you want that extrinsic motivation. You know, you have that extrinsic motivation because you want the external reward so you can prove it to yourself. Right. So although it's clear Right, that intrinsic motivation is usually more effective in a fulfilling drive. You still want to kind of strive for that that external reward side of it too. So it's it's not all one sided. But last time we talked about personal experiences. I've had my own personal experiences. I know what's what's brought me to this point where I'm at now. And my situation especially was kind of unique because I was put into this position through no choice of my own. It forced me to rethink what I was doing. And I had to turn around, take all that negative. I mean, I was at a really low point and I thought I'm the only one that can get out of this, right? It's, it's me. I have to work on this. I had some great people around me in, in the midst of it. You know, I had a, um, had a great doctor that helped me get through it, orthopedic doctor. And he, um, he says, look, you know, no one's going to be able to do this for you. But if I were you and I were doing this, or if I had to go through this, he says, this is precisely what I would do. No surgery, no drugs, no, no nothing like that. So it was, this is what you need to do. And so I can't do that for you. You have to do it. So he, he just said, you can either do this or you can live how you're living now. And so that's what I had to do. And I knew that that's what I had to do. But I had to push myself, right? I had to I had to get that motivation from within myself in order to do that. And like I said, it was kind of a, an issue where I was forced into it. It wasn't one that I, I was faced with it just because I was faced with it. I was faced with it because I was put into that position and I had to make a decision. So- Last time, Marty, you brought up Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy. hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Yes. I'm looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs right now. And while you've been talking, obviously I've been listening, but this thought has been going through my mind 
while you were talking, that in the developed Western world, the lower part of the pyramid, which is the physiological needs, breathing, food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep, Mm -hmm. in the modern developed world, those things are pretty much taken care of. Yet in the developing worlds, those things take up an awful lot of a person's day, you know, until you can get to the sleep. When you have to walk seven miles to to fetch fresh water, when you have to grow your own vegetables um, or gather fruits, berries, those kind of things, um, look after your own cattle, uh, you know, livestock, or go and hunt for the things. Now, to a lot of people, all of those things are unimaginable. We don't have to do that. We go to the supermarket, we go to the, the shops, or we buy online and someone delivers. So an awful lot of some people's days in the developing world are taken up by those things. They don't have time to even think about being depressed. In fact, little tiny victories, if they manage to, uh, you know, harvest a good crop or make a good kill on a hunt, that cheers them up. That gives them that extra little bit of joy. Obviously, safety and security, health, employment, property, family, and social stability, not all of those things apply to the developing world, but they do apply to the Western world. Health, I live in the UK, we've got the National Health Service, my health is sorted out. As long as I'm, you know, don't overindulge, as long as I do some exercise, my healthcare issues are pretty much taken care of. I'm employed, so I haven't got to worry about that. I own my own house, I haven't got to worry about that. So we in the West, or Western civilizations, so we can include Australia and parts of the the world further east that live a Western-style life, find ourselves getting depressed about things in the middle uh, of the pyramid of of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Mm -hmm. about friendship, family, intimacy, sense of connection, confidence, achievement, the respect of others, those kind of things. Until you get past those and you feel confident that you've gained those, the top of the pyramid, the self-actualization, the becoming all you can be, you have reached the limit of your possible achievement, which for many of us, we never do, but we we think we're aiming there. So until you've sorted that middle section of the pyramid out, you're not going to get to the self-actualization. So what do we do to motivate ourselves through there? First of all, we have to have goals, have something to look forward to, to keep cheerful. You're correct. It comes down to here in the Western world, in the developed world, it does come down to, I, I think you hit it right on the head there, the psychological aspect of it. You know, the basics we've got down, the safety needs, which would be security and safety. We have that for the most part. I mean, if you flip on the TV, you'd think otherwise, but physiological needs, food, water, warmth, uh, rest, you know, all, all that stuff. We have that. We have that, though we do have issues, you know, social issues with problems of people on the streets, but you'll never get that number to zero. So where the bulk of the problem lies is, as you stated, in the psychological needs, the belongingness and the love needs, the intimate relationships, friendships. We have to have human interaction in the midst of all this this covid lockdown stuff, coronavirus lockdown stuff that has been weakened. That's hurt people. The psychological effects on people's health is far worse than anything that this so-called virus has actually done to people in the long term. You don't make the mistake of separating the mental and the physical because we all know that one drives the other. 
So if you feel good physically, it helps you feel good mentally. If you feel good mm-hmm. mentally, it helps you to maintain a good physical standard. So yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. The, the lockdown, the isolation has had not catastrophic, but a dramatic effect on a lot of people's mental health and physical health. Without mm-hmm. catching the disease, without actually being clinically depressed, people are feeling just a little bit worse. For a while, it was all, oh, this is interesting and new. This hasn't happened before. Oh, we'll keep abreast of that. I've got more time to spend at home. I'll get on with a few things. But then you get to the point where you've done as much as you can and you're still isolated and you haven't got those human sense of connection, sense of belonging because you're not going into work every day. Like in my case, I'm working from home. So people have to manage that. And so far, so good. My organization has made sure that we feel, you know, still part of the team. We've even been having quizzes. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have been involved in some kind of lockdown quiz between families and friends on on Zoom or something like that, or other products are available. However, that hasn't helped with my team because I am such a smart ass and uh, have, have won all three quizzes. They're starting to think of ways of making a quiz that I can't beat them at. So. I, I may be due for another bit of a knockdown very, very shortly at the next works quiz. You know, I think that kind of follows right along into that next tier that's up there called esteem, right? The uh, the feeling of uh, prestige and the feeling of accomplishment. By you being that person, you've kind of knocked all those people down. You've knocked away that feeling of accomplishment from them, haven't you? That's what you've done. You evil, <laughs> yes, evil person. And, you. And, 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 and I took great pleasure in it, which makes me a really bad person. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) That's all right. So, okay, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of break this down. I wanted to go with this at another angle. I wanted to kind of look at this in in a manner of self because obviously this is about self-motivation. So I wanted to look at this in a a sense of self, and I've got some points here we can go down. So the most important thing that you can do to start, right, just to start, because you have to have a starting point. Everything in all of what we're going to discuss here today, you have to have a point of reference. So you have to have a starting point, as we just talked about with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, some people call that, I've heard people call, oh, what's outdated, it's this, it's that. But it still bears relevance in all this, because a lot of times when it comes to self-motivation, someone's down there. Someone's down in that rut or down in, uh, you know, depression or whatever. They don't know how to get out. So they turn to drugs. And I'm talking like whether it's any kind of drug like a marijuana or, or something like of that nature or some type of legal pharmaceutical drug. Well, when you go down that road of trying to get yourself out of a sense of depression through some synthetic form of serotonin, which is what gets pushed into your brain, this is what happens. You purchase that particular synthetic form of serotonin, you start taking this drug, for example, like an antidepressant or something like that. It's going to make you feel better, but it's not real. It's not real. What it does, it's designed to push synthetic serotonin into your brain to kind of bypass things. Over time, what this does, this actually causes your body to stop producing serotonin naturally. So what it actually does in reality, it's a crutch but it's a temporary crutch, but it makes it far worse in the long run because you don't actually fix the problem. You're masking it, but you eventually develop an immunity to it, a tolerance to it. And so when you come off of it, you're 10 times worse than where you were in the beginning stages of it. This is why you see increased levels of suicide when people come off anxiety drugs or depression drugs, things like that, because they don't understand what's happened. No one will help them 
because they think, oh, well, they're just a pill popping depressive, you know, leave them alone. And they're stuck down there and they just don't know how to get out of it. However, if you go through the process of trying to build yourself, build your character, build your confidence, build yourself with the use of self-motivation, then you can avoid all of that in the beginning stages and you will be a better person at the end of it. I assure you. So the most important thing is to start simple. Just start simple. Don't get all complex and think, oh, I got to do all this stuff. No, all that's going to do is confuse you. So start simple. You want to keep positive things around you. You want to keep people that motivate you around you. You want to, you know, look at your surroundings. You know, I spoke last time about surroundings. Extremely important. That's the best place to start because you need things that are going to give you that initial spark of energy to get you going, right? That's what you need. So you can't just wake up and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that's not going to help anything. You need to wake up. You need to take on the day, you know, look at it and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do today. And this is how I'm going to do it. So these types of things, when you look at keeping positive things around you, these little tiny motivators, right? They're just these little tiny things, right? They all work together and they, they form a bigger motivation to push you forward. These are essentially the triggers that are just kind of remind you to get you going right now. I can't tell you what any of those are. That's going to be up to you because you have to figure out what motivates you. What motivates you might not be what motivates me. What motivates me is talking historical context and, and geopolitics and all that stuff like that's motivating to me. That's not what motivates a lot of other people. So that right there is something that's going to be unique to you, to you as the individual, you that wants to actually better yourself and build a foundation for yourself. Start simple. Start with the things that you know are positive for you. OK, so you can do that by keeping good company. So example, you know, I said, keep motivators around you, keep good company, get good people in your circles. Nobody wants to be around the people that are all sad and depressive. Social media is a fine example of that. Have you been on social media lately? It's pretty depressing. It's pretty depressing. That's what that system was designed to do. It was designed to make people feel sad and alone and depressed. Same thing with the stuff you see on the TV a lot of the times. It's very difficult to find something in the advertising world, in the media world, in the entertainment world of something that's actually going to propel you forward to make you feel more positive about yourself. Very few things out there do that. So making regular encounters with positive and motivated people themselves are actually going to help you. So you're going to pull from that energy from someone else. It could be as simple as just, uh, and this is going to sound crazy, but it could be as simple as just a simple SMS text message, right? With uh, a friend or a colleague or a, a quick discussion of somebody that likes sharing ideas. Marty, you and I do that all the time. Bruce, you and I do that all the time. We're always bouncing ideas off of each other all times of day and night all across the, the world. That's what we're doing. So positive and motivated people are very different from the negative ones, right? There's a big difference there. But by having them around you, that's going to help you grow. And you're going to see the opportunities during those tough times that you go through. So that's that's going to help you out there. So those are my two starting points. I'll keep going from that, but I'll let you um, I'll let you jump in here and, and make a comment on uh, setting up motivators. You know, I've got a confession, Johnny. When we talk about geopolitics, it don't, drains don't me. It's, don't say it's depressing. You, you did, did you? It, 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 no, it will. No, it's it's not that it's depressing. What I find enriching and buoys me up is is that where we find so much common ground on things that we agree on, are from even from our own observations. Never mind what we both read, and I know you've read far more than I than I have, but I seem to absorb it. I've lived longer than you, so I've absorbed more of it by osmosis. But I don't mind that, even if it drains me a little bit, because you you do get different 
types of people. Some people are introverts, some people are extrovert. But some introverts are very gregarious, love a good conversation, but every now and again need to retreat into their own space to recharge the batteries. If I can find a solution to a problem, then that spurs me on. That gives me the more more and more motivation. I feel better. That's the serotonin dump into my brain that makes me feel good. But when it comes to things like geopolitics, the solutions are beyond our ability to affect, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm engaged in that kind of thing, that's, <laughs> I'm going to call you a parasite now. It's a bit vampiric. It's like you're, you're sucking the life out of me, Johnny, sometimes. But I love you and I never you want know, to stop talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's here's the thing. Yes, we, we talk about those things. And, you know, this is something I, I worked into um, when, when we talked about time management. This is one of the things where I say that people try to control the uncontrollable. I know that we can't yeah. control that stuff. But the mere fact that we can actually have a, a, a logical intelligent discussion about something that we can actually see. It's fascinating to me just just on the principles of the, of the topics that we discuss, because yeah. I feel like I'm actually gaining intelligence by bouncing ideas off of each other. Right. I, I feel like we're actually doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's certainly it, yeah, my political awareness is certainly in the last year has, has gone into overdrive as to what's happening globally. So yeah, I've wait, got you just you just I've wait. Got, you just wait until tomorrow when I hit you with this curveball from t- tomorrow. <laughs> okay, can't wait. But for me, making things, creativity, when I I write stuff, I've got other friends that I'll talk to about hobbies that include you're going to think I'm well, they're, they're, everyone already thinks I'm weird, but you know, I've played RPGs, role-playing games since I was probably 18 years old. At first, I was quite happy just to play the games and, and let somebody else's imagination take me on a on a journey. But then I got to a point where I started to write my own scenarios and, and campaigns for players to develop a character in. And we do it tabletop and we also do it live. So that really fills me with energy. That's the symbiotic thing where it's a two-way I'm producing stuff, so I'm I'm giving stuff and uh, to other people, but them enjoying what I've put in front of them to do gives me a real buzz. So that and solving problems, I do like to solve a problem. If someone this this is often the problem with men, and this isn't meant to be anti-men, but it's true. A lot of the time, when men are spoken to by women, the woman or another guy, for instance, just wants someone to listen. And if you sit there and listen well, quite often, whatever problem is bothering the person, they'll work out for themselves. But I'm one of those men who just, as soon as someone tells me what their problem is, I want to start to try and solve it. I've learned recently to just to sit back and listen more. uh, And eventually, the person with the problem comes to their own conclusions without my input. Because quite often, when you try and problem solve for someone, they will reject your solutions because all they want to do is be listened to. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there we go. You're a parasite, but I love you. Points about the the problem solving because that that's something that's that personally I really enjoy and and drives me. But for me personally, learning something that really gets me going and and it actually takes determination and and like 
discipline for me to disengage and, and stop. Cause when I get in a rabbit hole and start researching something or we start discussing something or what have you, I get sucked into it. And it actually like, I have to consciously pull myself out of that or I'll go without eating or sleeping or, you know, those kind of things. So for me, it's really just finding that, you know, finding those interests like that. And it's really easy to get into the drive with that, especially with uh, the podcasting and, and, and us sitting and, and just chatting. That's a great encouragement for me. Even even if the stuff we're talking about is a negative, this is I guess this is kind of my one of my ways of, of social interaction and everything. Um, there's there's actually days to where I'm we get done and I'm like, I have to disengage and just like, OK, I don't want any more human contact that, you know, I, I need to recharge. So that honestly, I'm I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm pretty easy, simple to to wind up. I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying. It's uh, learning. You, you guys mentioned there about learning. Marty, you talked about reading and, and listening. You know, you, you listen to people. You, you like to read things. You like to figure things out. You're a problem solver. It's all about learning. You have to keep learning. You never stop learning. I learn stuff every day, right? I, I read stuff every day. I research stuff every day. I talk to you guys, one or the other, or both of you on a daily basis. We're always bouncing ideas off of each other in different things. I mean, all these conversations we have, I mean, I swear, I swear, Marty, as many conversations as you and I have had alone in the last decade, I don't think we've ever discussed the same thing twice ever. So to read and to understand and take in all the information you can, right, the more you learn about not just yourself, but about everything else that's going on around you, the more you learn, the more confident you're going to be when it comes to starting your own projects and doing your own things. This in turn, again, is going to motivate you to do other things. So learning, gaining knowledge is paramount. You've got to do it because you have to grasp the understanding of things. And once you do that, you'll have one of those, uh, oh my God moments where you think it's right there in front of me. I just couldn't see it until you gain that knowledge and then everything just comes together. On the the knowledge bit, something for me that actually drives me, uh, especially for knowledge, is not just my thirst for knowledge, but it's also a, the more knowledge I have in in a situation, I'm able to make a better decision, not just for myself, but for others around me. And potentially it gives me the opportunity to sit down and talk with someone and maybe something I say helps them or encourages them, or it's a perspective that they haven't seen. So for me, it's just as much a drive to help people around me as much as it is to you know, just my own thirst for knowledge. Yeah, doing this, you know, do, doing the podcast, as I'm sitting here spouting off about all the different things we talk about, one of you said it earlier on, and you've just sort of reiterated it there, Bruce, is that there's a chance that we could affect the way someone thinks about something, not telling them how to think, but actually starting them to think about different issues. And I get satisfaction out of that. And, and I'm hoping that via the feedback on Parler that we we get more and more feedback because that way I, I will know, I'll, I'll have confirmation that the things we're saying are getting people to think. Even if they disagree with us, that still would be confirmation that we were helping people think about certain topics and situations. So, and that, that would give me a big buzz. One of the other things we discussed previously was envisioning positivity, right? You, you want to try and see the good 
in the bad. Now, I know that that might be difficult to do sometimes because you look around and you think, oh, man, everything around here is just bad. But again, you want to see the good in it. You want to try and look at it from a positive standpoint. You want to say, you know what? I don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way that that's being portrayed to me. So you know what? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to take it from what I want. And then you're going to look at that and you're, you're going to look at the negative and you're going to champion that into a positive for yourself. So when you encounter, say, like an obstacle or, or a, a goal that you're trying to reach and it's a challenge for you to get there, you want to be in the habit of finding what works for you to get over whatever hurdle that might be. So you have to be able to envision the positivity. It's extremely important. Knowing yourself is going to be the biggest driver in that. You have to know yourself before you can understand anything else, right? If you don't understand yourself, then you can't really go any further, can you? You know, sometimes people kind of think, oh, well, you know, who am I? You kind of have to figure that out. Now, I can't tell you how to do that, unfortunately. I wish that was the easiest fix, right? Someone just comes along and says, well, you can. (laughs) As you were speaking there recently, I've used this method very many times in in various forms of analysis, whether I'm analyzing, you know, someone's job role or what training is need for a piece of equipment and situation and, and business setups. We use a thing called SWOT. Have you guys heard of SWOT? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I was thinking special weapons and tactics, but I mean, that's, you know, just no, that's, that's, that's where my mind that, went. Yeah. No, it's a four box table. Okay. So if you want to find the positives in things in the first box, top left, Write down your strengths, the things that you're good at. Opportunities, so things that you want to achieve. Then write down your weaknesses in the uh, underneath your strengths. And then threats. So what are the possible threats to you achieving the opportunities that you've set out for yourself? And what you can do is when you, when you do this piece of self-analysis is you can see how you can get your strengths to support your achieving of the opportunities. And you can see how your weaknesses could become threats and you would be able to cancel them out or be aware of them. Because a lot of the time we fall into traps. We let ourselves fall into traps where our own weaknesses let us down. Oh yeah, I'm going to go out tomorrow evening and uh, have a really good time in the town. I'm looking forward to a couple of beers. But my weakness is that if I have three beers, I'll have seven. And if I have seven, I'll have 10. So I, I, I will have a bad time because I'll be sick as a dog the next day. So if you know what your weaknesses are and you're honest with yourself, you can use a SWOT table, S-W-O-T, not S-W-A-T, to analyze yourself. And it's a very useful tool to achieve what you want to achieve. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about that. Maybe it's something you might do. In, in the very near future. No, that's a good point you bring up there. You know, you could do that. You know, just keep keep kind of notes on what you do. That will actually motivate you in, in and of itself, right? Because you can actually have a list to, to look at. You can have a guide to follow. See, a lot of times people, they start on a certain track and then they get distracted. Whatever that might be, it might pull them off of something. They'll say, oh, well, you know, I deviated from that. It's the same thing when someone, say, goes on a diet right? They say, oh, well, I got into it. I tried it for a little bit and then I left. Or people that make New Year's resolutions. That's the biggest motivator in the world, right? Is a New Year's resolution. Someone that picks something at the end of the year, they say, okay, well, I'm going to do this next year. This is why when you go to the gym the first time back from Christmas break, it's full of people because everybody's going to go out there. Everybody's going to get healthy, right? They're trying to figure out a plan for themselves and then they deviate from that. And then within a month, 
everything's back to normal. Everyone drops off. So I think what kind of comes after that is you have to not only from knowing yourself and learning those particular ways in which to allocate all those things, as you put it, Marty, you need to appreciate yourself. This is the other part of that, because after you know yourself, then you have to appreciate yourself. That might sound conceited and and self-centered, but we're talking about self-motivation here. We're trying to figure out what's going to drive you from within of yourself. See, it's not about having other people motivate you. It's about you drawing from that energy that's around you and pushing yourself forward and driving to be a better person on your own, right, of your own doing. So you have to appreciate yourself. Whenever you lose motivation, you got to think of all the positive stuff you've done in the past. That will allow you to reflect on the experiences that you've had. And you can remember all those adverse times you've had when you've been through however you figured out how to get out of whatever situation that you were in. Appreciating yourself for what you've done in the past, that's a fantastic tool to get yourself motivated and to drive you forward. There's another saying, though, isn't there, that if you want someone to be better in the future, don't keep reminding them of their past. So that's an external reminder. So coming from somebody else you know, a critical husband or a nagging wife or uh, whatever, constantly reminding of your past screw-ups doesn't help you be better in the future. But being honest with yourself, because we should all be able to criticize ourselves and be really honest about it. So, But the first thing, as you were saying, is you've got to raise your own self-esteem. You've got to appreciate yourself. So list your strengths first before you look at your weaknesses. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone should immediately run away and do this, but if you do decide to do it, if you do it once, then leave it for two or three months, work on those opportunities, do it again, and you might well find that you can cross out some of your weaknesses and put more things into your strengths box. And as a way of personal and self-development, it's a a really, really useful tool. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Johnny. Carry on. No, no, you're fine. No, you're you're fine. You actually kind of expounded on uh, a point that I was going to go with. You talked about experiences and how using mistakes. You you don't want to be reminded constantly of all the bad things you did. But then again, that's how we learn. So if you take those experiences, the mistakes that you made in the past, which, (laughs) I mean, God knows I've made plenty of them myself, right? I've learned from that. I've learned where I went wrong. And I've been able to turn around and say, okay, what did I do here that got me to that point? Okay, that's got to be fixed. So I will actually go back, I'll self-analyze, and then I'll push forward. Using the mistakes as experiences themselves, right? This will allow you to learn from your past mistakes. How do we become better people? From learning, right? Learning, gaining knowledge. When we look at the mistakes that we've made, right? Which we're human. We're all human. We're all prone to making mistakes due to even, you know, inherent defects or flaws in in our character or whatever it is, however you want to put it. Mistakes are not final, though. That's the thing. Some are, but not all of them are. You can rectify most of those things, depending on how severe they are. But it's a vital lesson to learn. In most cases, you can go back and you can say, all right, well, I clearly wasn't making the right decision there. I wasn't thinking properly. So what do I need to do in order to correct that? But see, a lot of people, you also have to understand how to interpret that and how to turn that into a positive because people tend to lose that motivation when they just kind of let things go sideways or the desired result that they want isn't coming out to them easily. So, I mean, you might have to actually drill down into it to figure out what you want to do and what you need to understand about that mistake in order to accomplish your goal. Now, to do that, I think you have to, goes along with envisioning positivity, you have to choose to be happy. 
Now, I know that that's a difficult thing for a lot of people, right? That's you think, oh, God, you know, oh, God, I walk around with one of these people that are smiley and bubbly all the time. You know, I can't stand people that do that because everyone has a right to be upset about something. So you can't be happy all the time. But most of the time, you have to be a happy individual within yourself, regardless of how you present yourself on a front. Right. We talked about that with your carrying your, yourself as a as a character in situational awareness. But that doesn't mean that you present yourself with this don't mess with me kind of front to people. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be happy. That doesn't mean you you should be extremely upset and walking around like you got a chip on your shoulder all the time. So anyone that encounters kind of, you know, adverse situations, you want to be a happy person. It's kind of worthwhile to note here that every bad situation, because everybody, like I said, you, you make mistakes, right? Every bad situation always passes, no matter what it is. So it always passes. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm in this situation. This is bad. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. It'll pass. But you have to be able to endure and work yourself through that as best you can from everything that you learn and your past experiences in order to come out on the other side of it. So, like I said, every bad circumstance will eventually go away, right? It, it, it'll eventually go away, depending on how you work your way out of it. But if you lose motivation in the midst of all this, that's not going to help you solve any problem. And neither will worrying about something. People worry about stuff all the time. They get overstressed. They have anxiety. That doesn't help anything. That, that doesn't help anything. That doesn't help you get out of that bad situation, whatever it might be. So you have to envision the positivity in these sides of things. Now, you can maintain that motivation and that drive to get out of that with just the thought that every problem is temporary in all that. You can just think, OK, you know what? This will this will pass. This will pass. Right? It's just temporary. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I've done. And, and this is how I'm going to get out of it. So don't keep yourself knocked down. Don't beat yourself up because it will pass. It will pass. You got any thoughts on uh, uh, envisioning positivity there? No, I think you've described that very well. Of course, our listener will be possibly thinking of the very worst case scenarios. But even with those, there is a way through. It might not be exactly what you wanted out of life, because if you make a mistake so grave that you wind up about to be jailed, for instance, there is still positivity to be found. Because if you accept and own your mistakes, then the world will treat you better. So, you know, if you, like I say, you've you found guilty of a crime, you've pleaded guilty, you're going to jail, you're going to do your time, even if that time is the rest of your life, you have still got opportunities to make improvements. There are always ways and means that you can do that. And the, the most simple is to be nice to other people. That might sound a bit strange, but every Actually, opportunity, no. No, yeah, it doesn't every sound opportunity strange, you have to do someone a favor doesn't have to be much. It just makes somebody else's life a little bit easier. And I think that's where most of us gain our happiness from. And it's right up there in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's there in the section under self-actualization. It's that feeling of connectivity, that feeling of belonging. So whatever community you're in, even if it's cell block H, you could be the nicest person in the high security wing. Yeah. Or you can be just the nicest person in the office. If, if you've not been stupid enough to wind up being jailed, you can just do people's favors. You can just be nice to people holding a door open you know, the occasional bag of donuts brought in, just complimenting someone on something. These are all things that will motivate other people to feel better and you will feel better in, in return. 
I've got another point I want to make from what Bruce was saying about how much he enjoys learning and what you were saying about, you know, gaining knowledge. Learning gets split into four distinct areas. You've got knowledge, physical skills, mental skills, and attitudes. Yeah, and I might have said this before in the last one, but learning a mental skill such as recognizing when you're about to make a mistake, you know, when things are about to go wrong, are really important. Keeping a diary, a journal, whatever you want to call it, again, another confession, I had to have anger management and I was taught by a really, really good psychiatric nurse how to recognize when I was getting in, into just about to go to red mist so I could de-escalate myself. And I think that's one of the best things I've, I've ever learned. It's, it's not a physical skill. It's a mental skill. Just the same as recognizing when you're about to make a mistake or recognizing patterns of behavior that keep you down and stop you achieving and analyzing those patterns of behavior so that you can, you know, stop the, the self-perpetuating problems. Yeah, that's it. I've just finished that sentence. That's fine. Thank you. So you, you mentioned there about uh, you mentioned there about helping others. I think that uh, th this is one of the biggest things when it comes to being motivated, because one of the very first things that I learned was it was really simple. It was if you develop a strong mental capacity, as in you understand yourself and you be kind to others, then this will help you be an even better person. So you hit the nail right on the head when you said just being kind to other people goes a long way because we've lost a lot of that in today's world. I mean, if you just look at the way that people treat each other on average, most of the time it's it's okay, you know, casual in passing kind of stuff. But there are some really mean people out there just because they're spiteful and they're mixed up in, in all this counterculture and all this stuff. And you know what? This goes along with someone that actually needs self-motivation, because if you're miserable yourself, you then turn around by default and you project that misery on others. And so when you have somebody that's just an absolute mean person or a disrespectful person, a lot of times all that is is reprojection. That's someone who's miserable on the inside of themselves. So they don't know how to get themselves out of that and to develop themselves to be a better person. So they just reproject that on everyone else. That old saying, misery loves company. It's a true statement. But helping others, sharing your ideas actually help people around you that you share them with. It helps them get motivated as well. You mentioned there, uh, Marty, about uh, about the conversations that we have and how it's how it's draining. And, you know, or I'm a, you called me a parasite or, or whatever it was, a vampire or something. But you know what? And you want me to be honest, don't you? I do. Yeah, of course. Of course. But the idea is, as though from, from my standpoint, when we share these ideas back and forth, it drives me to want to look into things more. Right. So that actually motivates me to want to go further with it. But seeing others, at least from my standpoint, seeing others do well, if you're a decent person, right, a lot of people don't like this because the culture has been twisted so much to make people think that if you're successful, well, then you stole that and that's bad. You cheated somebody to get it. That's what's being promoted in the entertainment and in the, uh, the social culture today. And it's disgusting. But by default, when you see others do well, naturally that, at least from my standpoint, that motivates me thinking, you know what? You know, I, I kind of want to do the same. 
right? This is where free market comes in, whether it's ideas or business or, or whatever it is. But yeah, a lot of times when you're mixed in and like social media networks and stuff like that, because everybody seems to be on social media these days, or even if you do it privately, or if you, you're one of these people that runs a website and runs blogs. I mean, I know some people that do that. Write about your successes and get feedback from people that read your stuff, right? That helps too. As you said, Mari, people that comment back uh, on, on things that we do. You know, we've gotten emails from listeners and we thank you all very much for that feedback. Same thing with uh, people that, that send us comments back on Parler or, or Parlay to us on, on Parler, all that stuff, even if you don't agree with us, that's great. That's valuable feedback to have. And that'll push us harder and, and motivate us more to actually want to, to improve and to you know discover new things, not just about ourselves, but about everyone else, the kind of impact we're making on others. Yeah, I think I could speak for us all where if we do get negative feedback, then we will re-examine the point that the feedback was on and certainly look within ourselves. Obviously, we might not agree at the end of the day once we've revisited whatever was criticised because we might still be of that opinion. But we will look at it and we will revisit it. We will not be blinkered and shut it off because we are people who like to learn and know that we are continually developing as people. I was just going to say, just going to briefly mention this weekend that has just got I did an open air uh, martial arts session. And of course, we had to be social distance. So what could we do? We couldn't fight each other. So we did breaking of roofing tiles. And there were people there who'd never done this before, watching and encouraging someone to get the confidence up, because that really is all it is. It's confidence that their technique is going to break that tile. Watching them fail a couple of times, that happened. I've got the video evidence. But then the look on their face when they actually manage to do it is they're being rewarded. They're, they're feeling great about themselves. And I, for one, was feeling great that I'd help them achieve it. So it's um, it's a two-way street. When you, when you try and help someone and you see them start to achieve, you can have a warm glow and you know that they are feeling better about themselves. You know what you've done by doing what you just did with that? You were staying positive with other people. See, in that case, right, you were the one that was putting on that event. You, Marty, you were the motivator in all that. And generally, when people have a positive mindset like you did in that sense, right, when you were creating that environment for everyone, when you have that positive mindset and that attitude, you become the best motivator of that situation, regardless of whatever it is, regardless of whatever that situation is, that'll always try and uplift the state of mind of everyone else around there. The positive minded people, they'll motivate you even more if you're feeling down or if you're if you feel like you're beaten down. So whenever you encounter like negative thoughts and it, because, I mean, they're out there all over the place. You know, you speak with people either by meeting them or, or on the phone or things like that, or you go to an event like what you put on. And it, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer for people because you're talking about how when people that had never done this before, they now understand that they can do this. So you created the entire environment. You created the situation and you were the motivator. You were the positive mindset that put that on and you brought up everyone else that was at that event and, and caused them to become self-motivated in that sense, right? Yeah. I can't take all the credit because I am one of the instructors, not the chief instructor, but that's what we were doing. We, we were at two meters distance, one-on-one -on -one with something, so someone giving them as much encouragement and confidence from our perspective as we could manage so that they felt confident and were able to achieve what we wanted them to achieve. 
And yeah, it, it is a, a situation where you can create a lot of positivity. You can really get people uplifted and feeling good about themselves. Just a, a simple thing like that. I say simple. It was a bit of a logistical nightmare to get all of those roofing slates to a sports field and to keep us all two meters apart and then get rid of the rubbish afterwards. But, you know, it was worth it was worth the effort. Kind of, kind of the, the, the generalized topic that I wanted to touch on in this, finding something that helping your overall, you know, mood and everything and your happiness, find something that you, you believe in that helps other people and going and doing it, you know, like charity work or, or something like that, or something as simple as just, you know, making someone laugh or, or, or smile or whatever. Just those little things like that, those, those little victories, if you will will help boost your own confidence in your own mood. And it also helps other people at the same time. That's a good thing. I mean, uh, another one for me personally that helps overall is, uh, you know, religion. I mean, that's something that works for me. And some people it works for, some people it doesn't. And it helps your overall mood. It helps for me personally. I, I kind of have like this subsurface happiness, joy, whatever you want to call it, that is just inherent. And then, you know, then I have the surface level of emotions that you, you know, you would typically see in interacting with people. So just go out and help other people. And that in itself will help. Not only do you learn in those situations, but it, it helps other people and it, it, you know, you get connections and it's just, it's just good to do that. You know, Bruce, you mentioned there about beliefs. And I think right there, you, you really just brought out an interesting point. I think that's something that I kind of you know, Marty, I, th I think since since we monopolized all the time again, <laughs> I think that we inadvertently skipped over that. And that's one of the things that's been removed from a lot of people's lives in recent years is is that underlying belief in something. You mentioned religion there. But sometimes right, maybe people maybe people aren't really big religious people. I don't know if that's what motivates you. That's fantastic. And that should be a. I mean, that's the underlying value of what we in the West actually emboldened. So, I mean, that, that's where it all stemmed from. We built Western civilization based on the fundamental ideas of Judeo-Christianity. So that underlying belief mixed in, obviously, with you know classical liberalism and all that, that's actually what brought us up. But I think by creating those empowering beliefs, whatever it might be, whether it's religion or, or whatever it is that you have, whatever pushes you, I think people look at themselves as in a form of, well, maybe they limit themselves. What people have to understand is the only limitations that you have in your life are the ones that you put on yourself. If you don't have enough self-motivation, well, then there's only one reason behind that. And that's because you don't see yourself as a self-motivated person. So you can actually fix this. You, you can actually you can remedy this and you can work on yourself. You can create that empowering belief about yourself. You can change your negative beliefs into positive ones. You can condition your mind and alter yourself. You can make yourself a better person by doing this. I talked about envisioning positivity. Well, this is precisely what you have to do. When you catch yourself thinking negatively about something, which people do it every day, right? Myself included. If you think negatively about yourself, that right there, that has to be avoided. But sometimes it, it just happens. But when you think negatively about yourself, transform those thoughts into an empowering one. Look at that as an opportunity to think, all right, this is where I'm faltering. This is where I'm making a mistake. So here's what I'm going to do to fix that. Yes, I think you were absolutely right when you touched there on beliefs. One of the best feelings that I've ever had is when I became debt-free, didn't owe anything to anybody, and it felt absolutely marvelous. 
and that, yeah, I'm talking about mortgages, loans, credit cards, whatever. The day that I was debt free was a big change for me. It allowed me to be more generous with others because now I wasn't concerned that the money I might be giving away that I would need to to pay debts or or to um, you know feed and clothe. So anyone who's out there feeling demotivated, a lot of them will be in debt. And one of the best things you can do for yourself is to work towards being debt-free. And there are many, many ways that that can be done. It does take hard work and it does take discipline. But yeah, I I just wanted to say that that would be one of the things that if you really want to be positive about yourself, when you get to that point where you owe nothing, money I'm talking about, we all owe maybe debts of gratitude to many, many people. But, you know, financial situations... At the point you can become debt-free, it will will be one of the happiest days of your life. Closing points. Well, just a reiteration of stuff I've said during the podcast. Be honest with yourself. Have a go at SWOT analysis. Look it up. You'll find it. All you've got to do is use the search engine, whichever one you use. Type in SWOT analysis, and it'll all be described on how to do it. It's normally applied to business systems and business situations. But if you apply it to yourself, it can be a really useful tool, but you do have to be honest with yourself. Other than reinforcing Bruce's point about he used the word religion, I'll use the word faith. I'm not a big fan of religion, but I do believe that everyone should have faith in something. And that will certainly help you get through, even if it's just faith in yourself. So do your SWOT analysis, write down as many strengths as you can and build on those strengths. You know, you uh, you talk there about faith in yourself. You know, that that's key with this. That, that's, a, that's a big part of this is, um, is faith in yourself. Self-motivation, right? It's challenging because it comes from you. That's what everything's about is because it has to come from within you. No one else can do this for you. That's the point of it. So having faith in yourself, you can rely on those external factors from like friends or, or whatever, you know, the, the surrounding things that I was talking about, creating your surroundings. Those are key. But yes, it, it does come from faith in yourself. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to put the work into it. So it's not going to be anyone else that does this. But by learning early on how to motivate yourself and stay on track, ultimately, that experience is going to have greater success for you. We talked about gratitude and being kind to others, right? This is something that people have to focus on because we've lost so much of that as people from our respective societies and cultures because of, you can blame it on a number of things. I'm not going to pick just one here, but nonetheless, being kind to other people, you know, I learned that early on and, and it's been, um, it's, it's been paramount to me because I wasn't always that way. And, and now I look back on myself and, and I look back at, at how I, I, I treated a lot of people in, in my earlier days. And I think, you know, what, what was I even thinking? You know, why, why was I even like that? And I don't even have an answer for myself. That's the worst part about all of it. So focusing on gratitude and adopting an abundance mindset when it comes to all that is a great thing to do. So be thankful for all the things that you've got in your life. Don't take anything you've got for granted, but be thankful for what you got. Don't worry about all this crap about, oh, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get this big new car and all this stuff. That's materialistic stuff. That doesn't matter at the end of the day. So be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for the good things in your life and steer your focus from all the things that you wish you had. Don't look at all that stuff. You think, oh, well, I'm going to go out. And I'm going to get this. Yes, that's a goal. But 
It's not going to fulfill you. That's the big lie. That's not going to fulfill you. What's going to fulfill you is what you do to empower yourself from the motivation that you create from within yourself. That's what's going to fulfill you. So stop comparing yourself to other people and understand that life is happening for you, not to you, but for you. So the more you look at everything good in your life, the more it'll attract you to what's easier and what it'll be to self-motivate you to attract you to it even more. You know, over the last four years, this is, you know, just my own little backstory. Over the last four years, I've had a lot happen to me that put me in the position that I'm in. I started earlier and I was speaking about that. So in a way, like I said, I was more or less forced into taking this path that I'm on right now to become self-motivated. So this is a very, this is a very important subject to me. This is why I wanted to revisit it amongst other reasons because of what we're seeing. But I know that sometimes it takes exactly that kind of what happened, not necessarily what specifically happened in my situation, but it takes a life changing event and people to be forcibly put in a situation that they otherwise wouldn't be in unless it was something extreme that did that to them. So sometimes it puts them in that position where you have to understand what you need to do for yourself to be put on the correct path. People don't really stop to think about what needs to be done to get them to a better place in their life, to make them more happy and more successful. One thing we didn't talk about this time, and I wish we had, was the shufflers. Yeah, the shufflers, you know, the ones that, that walk around and just kind of I'm not exactly sure what drives them, but they're just there. It's like they just wake up and they exist and, and they just move on. You know, that's well, one thing we didn't discuss. Yeah, I've been thinking about that and I thought about it about an hour ago when we started this podcast. The shufflers at the moment, because they don't realize how dire the situation is, are probably some of the happiest people in the world. With everything that's going on with the protests, with the riots, all the different things, it's the people that aren't shuffling, that are not shuffling, that are probably the most unhappy. The shufflers just don't see it as a big problem. So they're probably happier than we are right now. I know I said I was done earlier on, but this thing about feeling connected, being loved, it's extremely important. Too many people are not feeling that way. Why are they not feeling that way? Because a lot of the institutions activities, groups that they should belong to have been portrayed as, uh, you know, groups that they shouldn't belong to. The Scouts, for instance, with this idea that the statue in Poole in Dorset of Baden-Powell was going to be removed because he once said, or he read Mein, mein Kampf before the Second World War, and thought he agreed with a lot of the ideas about self-sufficiency for a human being that Hitler had written inside Mein Kampf. So they were going to destroy uh, the statue and remove it. So organizations like the Scouts, you know, the love of your country, being in the nuclear family, for instance, all things that we are being bombarded with the idea that these things are not right and they shouldn't be maintained. This makes young people more and more vulnerable to being in, you know, in, induced into a gang culture, joining radical movements such as Antifa, all because they've got no sense of belonging to a lot of the traditional things that they would otherwise have belonged to. So they're being sucked into these other organizations. And that's just something we all need to be aware of. Keep an eye on your kids, keep an eye on your friends, and make sure they feel involved and loved connectivity between human beings not belonging to negative 
anarchistic organizations. Now I'm done. You know, you, you bring up an interesting point there. You, know, you talk about these people that, that don't have any connection to things and don't have any connection to, to our traditions, whatever country you're from, it doesn't matter. We're all in this together, right? Not because of some pandemic garbage. We're all in this together because they're attacking our entire civilization, our entire tradition, our entire way. So regardless of where you stand on that, if you believe in Western philosophy, then we're all under attack. So yes, we're all in that together. But you spoke of the individuals there that, that join these gangs or, or groups like Antifa and the rest of them that we're seeing on TV. And you know what? I, I really didn't want to get into all that stuff today, and, and I'm going to try and stay away from it. But I wish when I look at people like that, right, those are, those are sad individuals. Those are miserable individuals. But just like extremist groups, they target the weak. They target the ones that are not happy. They target the miserable, the unmotivated, and they give them something to be motivated about through the power of the group. This is another thing we talked about last time. We talked about using powers of groups when it comes to motivation and how people tend to kind of follow a group because they think that's going to give them power instead of understanding that the power comes from the individual, the self-motivation of the individual. So I wish I could do something to snap those people out of it. Because as I've said before, you know, I look at something like that and I see wasted potential. I see energy that could be focused on something positive for society as opposed to something negative and tearing the society down. You know, we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, though some of it might not follow it to the letter when we look at like self-improvement because it's broad in a, in a lot of sense. So, I mean, like you said, we, we've got a couple of steps in there that we really don't have to think about when it comes to the developed world. But other parts of the world, you know, they, you say they don't have time to be depressed. They don't because they've got too many other things that they need to focus on. But it does show you a guide in which to form a point of reference. And sometimes that's all it takes for somebody. So for someone to find just a starting point, that goes a long way because a lot of times people just don't know where to start without a point of reference. The rest of everything that we've discussed here tonight becomes completely irrelevant because if you don't know where to start, then you don't know where to go. So you have to have a starting point. I've got a great one that you can, you can have. There's an old saying, which is, if a ship doesn't know which port it is heading to, no wind is favorable. So if you don't know where you're heading, if you haven't set yourself some target, whatever ha is happening to you in your life, could be positive things, could be negative things. None of those things are favorable to you unless you know where you're going. I can't disagree with that. I think you're well, spot on with that uh, that analogy. You, you, you can say it, have it. It's on me. You can edit me out later. Oh, no, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll let you keep it. You're, you're a Navy man. I, you know, I can't take that away from you. I'm sorry. So, Navy and Army. Navy and Army, excuse me, excuse me. One was a, the latter was in an extensive career. But yeah. anyway, you know, I, I believe though, in my, in my humble opinion, that the keys to success in becoming a better person is to simply live your life. That's what a lot of people just don't do. They just don't live. Gain knowledge, gain experience, make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. We're human. We make mistakes, but learn from them. Envision the positivity in everything that you do. Strive for your self-fulfillment. Always be kind to other people. We talked about being kind to other people. Focus on gratitude. Never give up on yourself or others. You know, I was told a couple of years ago by, by a doctor, we were talking about everything that was going on. I mean, this was a few years ago. He was talking about everything that was going on. And in, he, he looked at me as I was ready to walk out of the room. And he says, don't give up on people. Whatever you do, he says, that's where it all goes away. He says, you, you just don't give up on people. And you know what? I haven't. I haven't. And I'm going to end here with a quote from Benjamin Franklin, because I think it's extremely relevant to everything that we've talked about here tonight when it comes to this. And I'm really glad that we revisited this subject. And you know what? I want to do it again, because there's more we can discuss 
in the future with, with all this. So I, I really I would like to come back at it again down the line. But Benjamin Franklin stated, how do you become better tomorrow? By improving yourself, the world is made better. Be not afraid of growing too slowly, but be afraid of standing still. Forget your mistakes, but remember what they taught you. So how do you become better tomorrow? By becoming better today. The person who does things makes mistakes, but they don't make the biggest mistake of all, which is doing nothing. That's all I had tonight, gentlemen. Marty, Bruce, thank you guys for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.